Since he reformed podcast, I am Pastor Brandon, joined with Pastor Zach. We are co-pastors at Westside Reformed Church, a URC congregation in Cincinnati, Ohio. And today we wanted to interact a little bit with a statement that the Pope made not too long ago. The, uh, the Pope wanted to change the Lord's Prayer because he didn't like one of the statements in it, or he thought that it was worded incorrectly. Um, and that line is, in, in, in the Lord's Prayer, is, is the petition, lead us not into temptation. And the Pope has, has a, bit, a bit of a problem with that, 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 that petition, lead us not into temptation. And he wants to change the translation to do not let us fall into temptation. Do not let us fall into temptation. And here's what the Pope said. The Pope said, I am the one who falls. It's not him pushing me into temptation to see how I have fallen. A father does not do that. A father helps you to get up immediately. It is Satan who leads us into temptation. That is his department. And so what's interesting is that in, in the Bible... The you know as you read it, especially in Greek, it's it says, "Lead us not into temptation." It's a petition directly to God. Lead us not into temptation. But the Pope has a problem with how um, how the Bible is speaking, and he wants to to change that. Um, Zach, before we kind of you know really dive in and, and answer and interact with what what the Pope is saying, maybe we can just start where we need to start, and that's with the Bible. Um, maybe you can read some biblical passages to kind of set the stage for us to think about temptation, God leading us, the role of this. How do we understand this? Sure. Well, clearly, temptation is a great concern in the biblical text. I don't think that we necessarily think about that very much in our modern day because, again, I think our culture would say, that whatever you desire, go ahead and do, and that um, you are you know, your own master. And so this sense of temptation being of, of significance and of something that's undesirable, um, that's consequential, is um, something that really goes contrary to, the, um, to the, the ways of the world in our day. And so Jesus can speak about this very um, seriously, when he uh, urges his uh, disciples as they're approaching the time of his crucifixion, in Matthew 26, 41, he says, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Some of the same language right there as the Lord's Prayer. And he goes on to say, The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. James, in his first chapter, in his epistle, verse 13, also speaks about temptation. When he says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. And so it's important to recognize that, that God himself does not do it. However, that does not lead us in the direction that the, that the Pope wants us to go into. We'll come to that again in a moment. 
So, so James also, in um, his first chapter, speaks about temptation and helps us to begin to think about it when he writes, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. And so on first glance, you could think that this actually um, supports the Pope's uh, agenda here. But we need to read this in harmony with what we read in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, that Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And so you see there that it's not the God who's tempting the Messiah, but rather it is the devil who is doing it. And so God himself did not tempt Jesus, but God did lead him into that tempting, um, uh, that place of temptation for that purpose of being tempted. And so we're beginning to see here that the biblical text does not really support the uh, Pope's agenda. We can also turn to the Old Testament, not just the New, to Genesis chapter 22, a very famous uh, episode where it reads that God tempted, according to the King James translation, God tempted Abraham or tested Abraham. It's the very same kind of thing here going on. And said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said back, here I am. And this is in the context of calling Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac upon Mount Moriah. This is a test. This is also something where Abraham was going to be then tempted to sin, even though God himself was not introducing the sin and the temptation. He is placing Abraham in that position where a temptation is certainly inevitable. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 also provides us with some helpful biblical coordinates here. When Paul writes, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. So thus far, some uh, biblical coordinates as we begin to think about uh, temptation. Uh, Brandon, do you want to maybe interact a little bit here with, um, uh, with this topic and with, with the Pope? Sure, yeah. Um, and, you know, as, as that biblical survey kind of unpacked for us, there is some more nuance there, right? Where God leads, but Satan does the tempting. God tests, but doesn't necessarily tempt in that way that James is talking about. So there's some nuance here going on that I think that uh, the Pope here is kind of broad brushing. Uh, but, but notice also, kind of going back to what the Pope said, he... he he reasons from, here's what an earthly father does, so here's what heavenly father does. And I would, I would submit that that's kind of an improper read to say, well, we have to change the, the Lord's Prayer because look, what, what, look, look at the earthly father. And it would be improper for an earthly father. And he's reasoning from earthly father to heavenly father rather than the opposite, reasoning from heavenly father to earthly father. But we also realize that there are some things the Heavenly Father did that are not, that's not appropriate for an earthly father to do. There were things that were very appropriate for God to do. For example, in um, Isaiah 53, 4-10, talks about how the father crushed his own son. That's not appropriate for an earthly father. Uh, we're, we're actually exhorted that that is a sin to sacrifice your own children. 
but it was not a sin. In fact, it was the most gracious thing, uh, the, the highest thing that, that, um, that, that the Father could do is to sacrifice his, own, his only begotten Son, that we might have everlasting life in him. So there are, so just, you know, as we're, as we're, as we're interacting with the Pope's analogy here, his, his reasoning from the earthly to the heavenly, we have to just kind of acknowledge that there are some things appropriate for the Heavenly Father to do that's not appropriate for the earthly father. And so we can't always have like this, uh, this one-to-one correlation or reasoning uh, from, from earthly to, to heavenly. And so I would, I would submit that perhaps uh, the, the Pope is, is reasoning a little bit backwards here. And, um, uh, you know, in, in God's providence, we see, we see God doing various things in, in Scripture. We see, for example, that tempters are given permission to tempt and to persecute Job. Uh, Job one one twelve. We see people in Scripture being brought into situations where they will be led into increasing temptation. We think about you know in in, in the providence of God, David looking at at uh, Bathsheba into that place of temptation where he succumbed to that temptation. We think of places like Second uh, Chronicles thirty two where God uh, withdraws himself in order to test his people. So we we see that where God does not put evil desires in our hearts. We should never go in that direction. I think James is really cautioning us. We should never see God putting evil desires or making us do these evil things or anything like that. Uh, But we can see that God, in his providence, brings people into various situations where they they could be tempted. And, uh, you know, again, Proverbs uh, 20, 24 the man's steps are from the Lord's. And so in God's providence, we are, we are brought sometimes into that. And that's what Paul is getting at too in that text you read in 1 Corinthians. You know, as, as, we, um, as we are tempted, we should, we, should, we should note that there is a, a better path and God will always give us an out. And even as he brings us into places where we are going to be tested and the devil is going to tempt us, uh, we should know, Paul is saying, that God will always give us an out that, that a temptation will never come and bulldoze over us, but that even though it might feel very weighty, it might feel very intense, we need to know from God's Word that there is always an out. There's always a better path that we can take uh, that's offered by God and that we can endure that period of temptation uh, for, for God's glory. So you know, as we're thinking more about this, we should probably unpack some more about temptation because you know that is that is what you know as the as you read from scripture as as the pope is talking about various things we need to unpack some more details about temptation um, can you help flesh out different types of temp- temptation sure yeah well when we think about temptation we're thinking about something that presents before us that we're presented with an option to do what is contrary to God's law. And that option can come to us in a number of ways. And that option is, by definition, um, presented as attractive, even though it is not inherently an attractive thing. But it is somehow presented as something that that is um, uh, attractive to us. So we think about the devil in the uh, garden, and. Clearly, it's not actually attractive to sin against God and to plunge all mankind into misery, ruin, and death. But the devil made it seem and appear uh, attractive. 
And so this kind of a fork in the road where there's a choice that needs to be made between trusting in God's word and what's true and good and beautiful, or the uh, a secondary path that is um, destructive, even though it's made to look um, attractive to us. And so as we begin to think about this fork in the road, this kind of a presentation of a, a path of ungodliness, we need to affirm that temptation can come from two different spheres. Um, for the sinner, temptation can come from within. This is not the case for the Lord Jesus Christ because he did not have a fallen nature. But for, for we who are fallen in Adam, we do have temptations come from within ourselves because that old man is not yet completely uh, put to death. He will be put to death in uh, glory, but not yet um, in, in this day. So there's indwelling sin, in other words. And that is really the key place where we find a temptation that we're being tempted by our own uh, indwelling sin, by our own um, still yet uh, not perfectly um, sanctified hearts. So the hearts are still uh, corrupt to some degree. And so temptation can be internal. And so God can appoint that temptation where he allows the uh, sin in our hearts to uh, present for us then that fork in the road, that um, sinful option of how we might respond to something. We also think about temptation coming not just from internal source of our indwelling sin, but also from an external source. And that is where we begin to see where the, the Lord Jesus then faced temptation even as Adam and Eve in the garden, who were there righteous and sinless, had temptation from without, that it was presented to them from the devil, and we too can be uh, tempted from, with, from without, from outside ourselves, as the devil can bring temptation to us and make something look attractive that is not. It's, all, it's rather a lie and destructive. Uh, temptation can come from without as well, as it comes to us from lies from the world, or maybe lies from a fellow Christian who is him or herself a sinner, that uh, these sources of temptation can come from outside of us to introduce to us a, a path that is not uh, glorifying to God. So again, there's two kind of spheres from which uh, temptation can be then presented from internally to a uh, fallen sinner or from externally from the world, uh, from Satan, or also from a, a fellow sinner who can um, lead us down a, a, a wrong path. So thus far, they're kind of what's, uh, what are temptations and where might they uh, come from? Any other things about, about that, uh, Brandon, you might want to touch on? If not, maybe get into uh, the devil himself. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's appropriate to spend some time, too, um, talking about ways in which the devil um, uh, tempts us and... Uh, and that was a concern for the Pope. He wanted to affirm that the devil tempts us, and, and in fact, the devil does tempt us. And uh, we should not look at God with an evil eye. We should look at the devil with an, with that uh, um, evil eye, realizing that he is the evil one, and he's he's doing these things. And uh, we'll talk more about uh, about that. But in terms of focusing in now, how does Satan afflict people? Um, you know, throughout Scripture, how does how does he how does he hurt people? Well, for unbelievers, we see that he's actually uh, possessed them. Uh, we see that, for example, Mark 5, verse 1 to 20, where he possessed 
um, a non-believer, and, and, and indeed that can still happen today. We've done a, a, uh, a podcast episode on, on, on the demonic and, and what, they can, uh, what, what they are doing even now. Uh, so that, that can happen. Satan can inflict by, by possession. Um, also interesting, John 13, verse 2, Acts 5, verse 3, uh, speaks about he puts evil thoughts into our hearts. Um, kind of encourages, you could say, perhaps, evil thoughts. Uh, he takes people captive to do his will, 2 Timothy 2.26. He blinds people's minds, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Uh, and like you mentioned, too, he acts on the mind. He presents things like that, 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 that are pleasing. Uh, so, for example, Genesis 3.6, uh, it was pleasing to her, to her eyes. He can encourage people to, to, um, to love something that's inappropriate, to, to have inappropriate desires, to have fits of anger, melancholy, various hosts of things that can be kind of encouraged and spurred on by the evil one uh, within our lives. And those are some of the various ways that the evil one works in this temptation um, to, to hurt Christ's church um, as much as he can. But we, we might ask the question, and this is kind of getting at, you know, but before we, we answer directly the Pope's charge here, um, one of the things that, that is kind of hovering in the background is why would God allow this to happen? Why would God bring you into a temptation? And really kind of what was implicit in what the Pope said was a rejection of sovereignty almost. It was a mm -hmm. rejection of, right. of God... God providentially bringing people into periods of temptation. He's wanting to almost act like, well, no, God never does that. He, he, he's, he's not sovereign or, or, or providential over that. That's just Satan. That, you know, it's almost like a two spheres, a yin and a yang mm. idea of what the Pope, I think, is, is presenting to us. And it's just not appropriate. God is completely sovereign. Um, nothing happens outside of his, his providential control and guidance. And, and so we should, we should never have that weird dichotomy that the Pope is, is presenting. Uh, but why? You know, that's, that, that's the question. Why does God um, permit Satan to tempt his loved ones? Uh, why would he allow that providentially? Now, this is a big conversation in terms of the problem of, of evil. I think we've done a, a show on the problem of, of evil. I can link to the show notes page for you know more big picture stuff. But just to answer a few things, um, you know, we see, for example, in the in the book of Job, Job one eleven, that uh, God uh, allowed that to happen to try and to test Job's faith to not only show forth his own glory, but to strengthen Job and strengthen the faith of others who were around Job. And ultimately, all Christians throughout, uh, throughout history, as we, we all read the book of Job and see uh, what he endured, and he endured it, and he didn't shake his fist at God, but he, he, he groaned, and uh, God um, vindicated him um, in, in the end. Uh, we also see that uh, that God brings these things into into our lives. For example, Second uh, Corinthians twelve seven, in order to keep people humble. So this is Paul speaking about the thorn in his flesh, and he says it's it's um, um, that he prayed three times that God would take the thorn away from him. We don't know exactly what what what, what the thorn was. It's it's a metaphor of something Satan was doing to him that was. Um, that was perhaps painful, uh, but uh, he prayed three times that God would remove this, 
And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. And he didn't take that away. Um, but it, it was, and, and Paul even says, it's there to keep me humble. It's there to keep me from being prideful. And uh, so it's, it, had, it has a, a good outcome. 2 Corinthians 1.4 also, uh, in order that we might turn and comfort those who are in a similar affliction. So, so um, as we were tempted, as, um, as, as Satan had afflicted us in various ways, we can then help people um, in, those, in those circumstances. Um, uh, years ago, I met somebody who had a ministry where he helped people with uh, addiction to pornography. And he was able to help them in, in profound ways because he himself was tempted in various ways and afflicted in various ways. And he, he succumbed to many temptations throughout his past. And he was able to help now those kind of, kind of um, more, more sanctified and worked, worked through that to now kind of go back and help, help those who are really in the trenches, uh, so to speak. And so, you know, as, as God allows Satan to, to, to tempt and to afflict us in various ways, uh, we can then help those who are afflicted in similar ways. And then also, um, in, you know, in order that we would long for heaven, that we would long to, to have our final redemption uh, completed, that we would not hold to, to the things of this world, but that we would be long for heaven uh, and desire that world that is to come, the, the, the new heavens and the new earth. So th those are perhaps just a few ways, and there's more we could probably um, think of as well. But, uh, but Zach, maybe we can answer directly, you know, when Jesus said, pray this, lead us not into temptation, what in the world are we asking God? Yeah. Well, I'm going to turn here to our Heidelberg Catechism, to the um, question on this exact thing, uh, question 127, where the question is, what does the sixth petition mean? And then the answer is, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil means. We are so weak, this is the humility part, that we cannot stand on our own for a moment, and our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, never stop attacking us. And so, Lord, uphold us and make us strong by the power of your Holy Spirit, so that we may not be defeated in this spiritual fight, but may firmly resist our enemies until we finally win the complete victory. And so, as we begin to think positively about what this petition means, it really is putting us in that humble posture to recognize that we're still pilgrims, and that we are embattled pilgrims. And that if we're left to ourselves, even for just a moment, we're done for. And so as we cry out with the Lord's Prayer in its proper sense, as in its God-given sense, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, that we are casting ourselves upon the grace and mercy of the God who is our Savior and who has committed himself to preserve us from those enemies that attack us even as uh, Romans 8 clarifies at the very end of that beautiful chapter, that all these enemies, all these things that can threaten us and that threaten to kill us even, that, they are, that we are through them more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. And so we cry out with this petition, and we know that because we belong to Christ, that God hears that petition, 
that he upholds us, that he preserves us. And as we, as we do this, we are acknowledging and giving ourselves over to God and to his spirit and knowing before the world around us that we are weak, but knowing that God is himself uh, very strong. Let me conclude here with a, a couple of quotes from Herman Witsius, who uh, was a Reformed theologian back in the uh, 17th century. And he wrote on the uh, Lord's Prayer and gives us some really helpful insight into its meaning. He writes, The meaning, therefore, is not that God may not permit us to fall into temptations, which is the common lot of all Christians, and particularly of those who have made the greatest proficiency in the school of Christ, but that he may not allow us to sink under the load. For to come into temptation or enter into temptation signifies to be involved in allurements and dangers 